Welcome, everybody, back to the Take It Eye podcast. My name is Christian. My name is Dave. I almost said my name is Dave just now. <laughs> and uh, today we have a pretty cool episode, uh, a deep end episode about the deep web. Or the deep end into web. the deep web. That's that's what it's all about. That's what we're all about here in the uh, uh, deep dive podcast. Nothing but deep ends. Uh, <laughs> dive deep in the deep. Um, the, dive deep in the deep, deep dark. You dark, betcha. Deep dark net. The dark net. So <laughs> what people have heard before, what I've heard before, and now doing more research on it, I understand is uh, there's something called a deep web, which is a, a section of the internet, actually a giant chunk of the internet that we can't see on the surface level. Um, there is a famous, uh, th- there's a pretty big picture described as, you know, the iceberg that you see in a lot of science books where it shows you that the ice ter- that, uh, the iceberg, just the tip is above the surface, but there's a giant chunk of ice below the surface, even bigger than what is above the surface. That's how the deep web and the dark web work. Um, Christian, you're the one who told me about the, the deep dark web in the first place many moons ago. Many moons. And, and I remember when I first learned about it, I freaked out and was watching like tons of YouTube videos and stuff on it. But really, when I had kind of caught on to it, um, and unfortunately was not nearly as, well, I guess fortunately for me, but it wasn't as crazy and wild, wild west anymore. It kind of had died down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, not as, uh, not as it was uh, a couple of years ago before it was, uh, uh, people started to crack down on it and people had to, uh, had to really restructure and get everything from get everything together from being uh, noticed on the internet. So yeah. the deep web is the actually we should start off with the World Wide Web. What we know, like Facebook and Amazon and Google and Bing and stuff, uh, that is the World Wide Web, which approximately uh, consists of four percent of the entire internet, like. The, the website we're using right now, Spotify, uh, uh, anchor.com or take a dive podcast.com, the website. Um, it includes public websites and stuff that we use every day. And that's only 4% of the entire internet. However, the largest chunk of, uh, the internet is the deep web. Uh, not, not too interesting. It, it consists of 90% of the internet and it's, it's contexts aren't indexed by uh, standard web search engines like Google or Bing. And they're generally comprised of government resources, academic info, medical records, stuff that isn't readily accessible to the public, but is stored online. Like you can't, you can't find it. Uh, it's not readily available to you, but it is on the internet stored somewhere, maybe cloud, uh, cloud storage systems or something of the sort. Right. So that's what people refer to as uh, the deep web. But what is the actual really, really interesting part of the internet is what is referred to as the dark web. Yes. Which is 6% of approximately 6% of the internet. And what is the dark web? It is a chunk of the deep web that is encrypted and requires special permissions to get access into. Uh, It contains heavily encrypted communities and illicit criminal activities. Even Uh, it's based on total anonymity in this dark web because the only way that you can access this dark web is through using uh, a what they call the Tor browser. What's the Tor browser, Christian? What is it? So the Tor browser is a souped-up Mozilla Firefox client um, that comes with a bunch of uh, preloaded add-ons 
that help you remain anonymous. Um, so uh, they have one script, uh, one add-on called NoScript, and uh, it's really handy for uh, disabling uh, JavaScript and pop-ups, right? Because those can sometimes track you and your location. So you use that to control that. You can even turn off, um, you know, you can turn off essentially a lot. Then you also, in the Tor browser, before you even can start typing in google.com or, you know, buyguns.onion, um, you have to turn on the Tor um, VPN. I don't know if it's called a VPN as much as it's, you have to turn on your Tor proxy. That's the word. Um, what that does is it gets you connected between an entry point and an exit point or your entry node and exit node. So an exit node is usually more public than your entry node, um, but your entry node is going to be a server somewhere, anywhere um, that is going to be your point of contact from your personal IP. Now your entry point is going to be encrypted and completely mumble jumbled until it comes to the exit point. So let's say my computer connects to the Tor proxy and uh, my entry point happens to be MIT uh, in Boston. Um, MIT, their server, mixes up my stuff and tells a server in California to do the traffic for me. The server in California doesn't know who I am, doesn't know my IP address, my name, or my location. It just knows that MIT is telling it to do this on behalf of me. So it will go to that website and it will pull that information, send it back to MIT, MIT will send it to me. Um, so the Tor browser uses this proxy, uses this you know mumbo jumbo as I keep calling it, or scrambling of information um, to essentially get, get traffic and information to you without it coming to you uh, raw, right? You don't yeah. want to. You don't want to pull this information using your public IP. Completely address. masking your your address that's related to your computer, so they can't they can't find you because it's 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 hidden amongst the mum jumb that you right. have been describing. And as I said, there are ways. You know, the entry node. Um, if if somebody were to perhaps find the entry node that you were using, then they could definitely trace you. Um, they would have to just pull a log and, and say, well, what did this IP address say to this entry node? And then they've pretty much caught you. So that's how the authorities have been able to do this. But if you can imagine, it's very difficult to track someone using uh, the Tor proxy because maybe they're not at their house. Maybe they're using a computer that they bought for $50 mm -hmm. that they're just doing this illegal thing on at Starbucks. And then once they're done with it, they destroy it. Yeah. How do you track that? They could, be, they could be using that computer and their IP address tells them, tells whoever's looking at them that, oh, look, this person is operating in France, but they're not. You're operating oh, yeah, in MIT. Too. Yeah, yeah. You With a proxy or with a VPN, you can make it look like you are from one place when you're really another. Mm -hmm. um, and that allows people who, like, say uh, there's a show that's, say SpongeBob is banned in... Uh, in India, if someone in India has uh, a uh, virtual uh, virtual protected network, is that what VPN stands for? Virtual private network. Oh, virtual private network, and um, they're able to uh, basically up their computer. Like uh, they'll Netflix will read their computer and say, "Oh, you're a computer from India, so you cannot watch SpongeBob because it's banned." I don't know if it is. That'd be funny if it was, but um, uh. 
if you have your VPN and you make it look like you're in America, they're like, oh, you're in America. You can watch SpongeBob. That's fine. So it makes it look like you're somewhere else. Right, right. And um, VPNs work very similar to proxies in that sense, too, as they serve as your kind of your entry point into the Internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've actually heard it said, and this is kind of a really good idea or a concept if you if you want to think about it. And it's a little inappropriate, but people consider VPNs the condoms of the internet. It's not you going there. It's something else going there for you and reporting back. You're protecting yourself from potential tracking or in the case that Dave gave, geolocation and geo-restriction um, enforcement. Basically meaning if you're from a certain region, you can't watch this. And so as a result, um, you're really protecting yourself from those kinds of restrictions and and possible attacks or, or things like that. So it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, condoms are relaying information. They're like, I, I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you're on this Tor browser, it, you're, you're hidden. And then from there, you're able to uh, get onto a certain site. Actually, no, I actually don't remember what the exactly the site is. I know that through the Tor browser, you can get onto, you can uh, reach this dark web uh, and you can, you can pierce through the veil and get onto it. Um, there, the web addresses of these dark web uh, websites are different. Like we have .com, .org, .co, whatever. They have .onion. T-O-R stands for the onion router. It allows you to go through these onion sites undetected. Uh, and these, what they're called, the, the, the .onion sites are just uh, encrypted websites that are that are uh, m- more protected than other websites. And uh, the interesting thing about that is, um, the interesting thing about the dark web is that when you're trying to browse through the dark web, you can't really do the same, you can kind of do the same way, like, uh, like we do, like we can search on Google and find something. But people's uh, websites that they have in the dark web uh, they're constantly changing. People are constantly switching them up because people are finding them and then they're dispersing to go to a different website because they don't want to get right. caught because some of these activities that people do on the dark web are are illicit criminal activities. Right. So if you're searching up something uh, through the, the, the dark web's uh, search engine, it can give you like a broken link. Like you... Uh, you say you try to click it, click on a link and you go to Facebook, but it says, "Oh, this this address isn't found because you accidentally typed in Facebook or something." Uh, that's that's essentially what happens, right? Um, the, and actually, the, too, yeah. I was going to say the the hidden wiki is is most people's kind of uh, entry point into the dark web. It's kind of like the first thing that you try to get to once you're in there, because the hidden wiki does it uh, a great job of indexing interesting things and categorizing them for you to kind of uh, you know look around and see what is there so they have like forums and marketplaces and things like that yeah yeah exactly. and as dave said you you might come across a couple dead links and you might even notice too dave that the the urls if you look at them they're completely random numbers and letters they are yeah they're not google.com or google.onion they're trwxc3wdex whatever dot onion and then you know you hope and pray that that's the that the website's still up and that you can get to where you want to go and you never really know you know you never really know mm-hmm. yeah the um uh the hen wiki uh is is the the other alternative to the search engine those are pretty much the two ways that you can find these sites um uh yeah and 
through what, what we're talking about with the links that are on like the the hidden wiki we'll use that for example because that's the one that we had used years ago to to just check this out um the links that they'll that they'll give uh on this website indexed will maybe have a little description a little title about various content that you can see or use on the dark web a lot of the content on the dark web involves uh tools and services uh, some of these being illicit because they're, they're, to be fair, they're the most interesting ones, but there's, there's other non-harmful stuff too. People just like to be private with stuff that they do. Uh, some tool examples that people can use the dark web on the dark web are like, um, malware distribution, distributing viruses into people's computers or targeting, uh, uh, targeting DDoSs at people, uh, DDoS being a, uh, a distributed denial of service, which basically overloads your computer with like, it's like you clicked Facebook, uh, like a Facebook link, literally one million times, and you can't stop it. You can't, you can't do stuff, and you're you're, you're pretty much canceled out. Um, right, through, and that's through usually overload. to us. Yeah, I'm just say that, and that's usually to um, to like a server or something too. You know, if you think about when you go to Instagram or Facebook, your phone is sending a request to load images from the server. And so imagine if you um, and everyone in the world were to request that information at the exact same time on one server, not just all the different distributed Instagram servers, one server, and not just once, but constantly, those requests are going to overload that server and it won't be able to act anymore. You're not hacking the server. You're not physically touching it. You are just from afar overloading it with these requests and and like dave said it's as if you're clicking to open something a gajillion times and there's nothing that server can do mm-hmm. um there's a there's a few other uh malicious tools that people can use like um uh using various tools for accessibility into uh company companies data like uh customer operational or financial data which can be disastrous um i've actually uh read online that a lot of companies actually have an ac- have access to the dark web and they're they have a uh, a presence on there to show that um uh they're they're working on their cutting edge technology and they're they're oh, they're aware of dark web presence probably to try to uh com- combat the these things and people possibly stealing information like there are auctions for um yeah I guess that's a tool there are auctions for uh other people's credit card information or right. Yeah. People will uh, get like a $5,000 credit card that you can sell for 500 that they sell for $500 for like, like uh, uh, to, to make to make a business out of it. Uh, and also uh, illegal access to people's uh, intellectual property. Uh, right. If you can, uh, if you can utilize tools and your in hacking ability, cause not, not many people can do this. It's not something you can just pick up. Um, Something I would that say is, too. What's up? Oh, I was just going to share a little fun fact about card auctions, um, because some some of you guys, I don't know if this has happened to you, Dave. Um, I I haven't personally have it happen to me, um, but if you do have your credit card or debit card information stolen, um, depending on who took it and depending on what country you live in, uh, it's very possible that that information could eventually end up on the on the deep web. In fact, a lot of things like Dashlane, LastPass, Google Password Manager, they do a lot of indexing and queries to make sure that if your information ever pops up in a dump, 
or a data dump, which is essentially when uh, a group of hackers or hacker um, compiles a large list of credentials and distributes it on the internet. Let's say he sells it or he posts it to Pastebin, which Pastebin is essentially you just paste whatever's in, you know, whatever you copy and paste in, and then you can save that and you get like this, um, this special unique link and you can share that link with anyone and they can see what you put in there, right? So somebody uh, put up a Pastebin, they're looking for that information and they're seeing, you know, is Christian's username and password combination that we know, is it compromised? Likewise, Groups like Credit Karma and different banks and institutions are doing the same with uh, deep web yep. credit card information. Mm -hmm. Because what will happen is the second this thing goes live, right? The second someone says that they have a card, usually on a card market, they're going to tell you how much money is on it. And I forgot what the what the exact level is called, but there's like a level of confidence. And essentially what that is, is it's a, it's a, a measurement of how sure they are that these people do not know their credit information has been stolen. Because if somebody knows their credit card information has been stolen, they're going to close it. They're going to turn it off, right? But if they don't know, and there's a very high level of confidence that if you were to just charge this card for $200, $300, it might work, right? Yeah. As long as the bank doesn't stop you. Those cards go for more money on the market than the less confident ones, right? Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And usually those ones are taken by people who put their credit card information into an insecure website. So not people who get it physically stolen, just people who give it away on an email accidentally or give it away to a scammer or give it away, as I said, again, in a, an insecure website when they make a purchase. Um, so just a really interesting fact for you guys there. I, I, think, I think it's crazy that people are... <laughs> People are saying, you know, oh, this guy is an idiot. You can make more money off of him. And they're usually right. You know, it usually does take people quite a long time to figure out, you know, that their information has been stolen, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And from a, from a, from a cyber standpoint, uh, so sometimes it, it, it could be harder to track than, than something in a, in, in a physical sense. If someone steals your card, maybe it's harder uh, to get your card back when you don't have, the, the the police helping you out uh uh personally with you is just to, to 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 get your to get your information back uh online if it's if it's hidden behind somewhere where it's very hard to get into right and with with not a long trail uh behind to follow to find it right there are also a, uh services available there are a, a wide array of services available on the dark web uh yeah, interesting ones. That, we'll start with the ones that are that are criminal. Like uh, uh, you can, there's a, a black market where you can purchase guns and drugs through various sites. There, just the, the general blanket term black market. You can hire hitmen and bodyguards. Uh, there are sites for prostitution and, and and human trafficking, and a lot of these are in blackmailing and uh, extortion. There are a lot of uh, services that are that are all purchased for and traded through Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency because it's, those are roughly anonymous as well. Uh, minim minimizing a trace and it's easy to, it's easy to transfer them through this dark web. Right. Uh, there are, or there are some simple services too, like uh, uh, even th there are like whistleblowing sites for people who uh, want to give information for information on their company 
to someone who can do something about it instead like with anonymity in mind so that when they whistleblow they won't be uh they won't be known as the whistleblower there are also uh people in other countries where the freedom their freedom of speech is uh infringed upon or where eavesdropping uh occurs heavily those people can uh access the internet and talk to each other through there through through services and trade information about these um like people can even uh people can even leak a story on the dark web and some i've heard that some journalists uh actually can go on the dark web and pick up these links and pick up these leaks actually that's what i meant to say and use them in stories and get information from uh someone in the inside of course with the anonymity you don't know if it's true and they're they're leaks so uh don't know don't have too much confidence in that but it's something that that's possible uh even for uh even for their their commerce on the black market they even have things like leaving ratings and reviews and uh having things put into your online shopping cart and being able to check out like it 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 looks similar to some other uh, some other commerce site on the on the world wide web on the on that small chunk of the iceberg the 4% uh where you can uh get into a transaction with there right and what's uh no you can go you gotta forgive us guys the uh the delay on this thing we'll we'll both talk at the same time (laughs) and then we'll be like oh oh, oh." um i was just gonna say about the whole bitcoin thing too is some of the services are things like um, bitcoin or, or cryptocurrency tumblers um which is essentially a way to um confuse and 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 um I guess the word would be obfuscate the money trail, right? To kind of, again, scramble it a bit. So if you could imagine I run a Tumblr service and you guys, you personally want to send some money to Dave um, anonymously. Yeah. You don't want it to be traced back to you. Oh, okay. Now, back in the day when Bitcoin and all this stuff was new, um, there were there were uh, quite a lot of websites around where you could just put in your credit card information or, you know, a prepaid card and not have to put in your first and last name, social security number and a photo of your license. Right. Nowadays, most most places you go, you have to do that. So let's say today you want to send that. So that means that you have, let's say, one hundred dollars in Bitcoin but that one hundred dollars you, of course, bought legally from a place that you had to give your first and last name all that stuff too. So you come to me and say, I want to, uh, essentially, I want to, um, what was the word I was using? Obfuscate. There? No, what was a uh, Tumblr? Oh yeah. Was it Tumblr? Yep. It is Tumblr. Tumblr. Yes. I want to, um, use your tumbling service to kind of, um, break up my transaction of a hundred dollars to Dave. And what, what I'm going to do now is when you send me the money, I'm going to send it to various different addresses that belong to various different people. Now, these addresses that I'm sending them to are not Bitcoin addresses that are tied to a US or EU or UK or anything. Uh, social security number, identification, nothing. They're just Bitcoin addresses that were made. Um, now, you can just make one. Um, you can use something like Samurai Wallet and it just makes one for you. There's no identity to it. But again, of course, the problem is getting Bitcoin to that address. But for me, I don't have to worry about that because you sent me Bitcoin, right? You sent me $100 worth of Bitcoin. 
So now I'm going to break that up, as I said, send it to all these different never before used or maybe multiple time used, but for very little things and not at all suspicious accounts. And then finally, I'm going to have all those accounts funnel their money to you one way or another over time or over to Dave rather. So in the course of maybe a couple days or a week or so, Dave is going to get that money funneled to him and finally he'll have it. Nice. Now, when let's say the FBI or Secret Service, because the Secret Service is the the ones who investigate credit card fraud. I don't know if you knew that, Dave. Mm. I've always thought it was the FBI, but no, the Secret Service themselves, uh, they will, they investigate credit card fraud and things like that. So they're going to investigate and they're going to say, all right, well, how did, how did money get from Dave, from, from this person or, or, or rather who sent money from Dave? So they're going to look at Dave's transactions and go, oh my goodness, how are we going to possibly follow this money trail? Because Dave has had all this money sent to him over the course of several hours, several days, several weeks, several months. We have to follow every single account, every single penny. And then eventually they might, and that's a big might, they might find who sent it. And if they do, they found you. But as I said, it's very hard to do yeah, that a lot of these work. tumbling services. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. They do it. Don't get me wrong. They've caught people this way. But I'll tell you, it is super, super difficult. It's easy to do. It's hard to trace. The 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 things that you can't see, all the all those little numbers and letters floating in cyberspace or whatever weird stuff uh, cartoons used to used to depict this, uh, at least in the cartoons I watched, uh, just uh, all the stuff that people can people can understand how it works and be able to trace something like this. It, it seems impossible. It's 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 ridiculous to even think that something like this existed, where. A hundred years ago, uh, we made something fly for the first time. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. The internet's yeah. been almost like a, a, it's a human experiment. Mm-hmm. Some people yeah. say, some people say, I know people who are very into the internet. They love the internet. They love technology. I've heard those same people say the internet was a mistake. You know, we, it's so young in comparison to all other technologies that we have not all other technologies, but it is so young compared to many of our pivotal um, cornerstones of technology. When we think about the wheel, how old is the wheel? Um, fulcrums and, and using them for leverage and, and, and lifting and pulleys and different things like that. These are all very basic pieces of technology that we've been using for many, many years. And then all of a sudden, you know, we had combustion engines and we've had those around for quite some time. Um, but then all of a sudden, computers came along and now things are advancing so rapidly the biggest technological jump ever just yeah incredible yeah <laughs> this this technological age they're gonna have to separate it like the stone age uh and uh, the oh my god like the stone age and the industrial age they're they're hundred, hundreds of years long well not the industrial age but um I just I just keep thinking of 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 the civilization game how they how they measured it out by Stone Age and like Iron Age or Bronze Age. Thank you. There's there's one. Uh, those things lasted hundreds of thousands of years, and the chapters of each of this uh, of each of these technological ages are going to be lasting decades. It's yeah. very short because it changed so much. Yeah, so much information. I always wonder what's going to be that thing that our generation doesn't understand because you know. 
a lot of the older generation, they say, oh, computers and the internet, we don't understand it. It's not really our thing. We didn't grow up with it. What's gonna? I wonder what's going to be our thing. Funny you know thing. I mean? uh, <laughs> we were, uh, Christian, you were there. Uh, a couple friends and Christian and I, we did, uh, we did a Discord uh, video chat. It's, it's a service where you can, you can, uh, send text to You can send text to each other on an app on the phone or on the computer. You can also have basically like a conference call uh, to some people who don't know what it is. It's like zoom. It could be like zoom, um, where you can see each other's, each other's faces on, on like a, on a video streaming service. And, uh, and I had a game that I was streaming from my Xbox uh, and so I was told my friends, I said, watch that on, uh, your computer and then use your phone to play the game. And then one of our friends was just like, this, is this the thing now I don't get technology anymore? Am I that old now? And I was like, you know, possibly that, that, that could be the case. Cause the way that I described it is a, is a pretty simple explanation of what it is. And it's, it's weird and confusing. Uh, when it, when it comes to complicated things like that, uh, I think that's where, our generation is soon to be overshadowed by the next generation. Yeah. I, I think though too, you know, the whole thing about this, this whole deep web is it just goes to show you how incredible the internet is too, because we said that 90% of the internet is the stuff that you don't normally see. You might think to yourself, well, what does that include? Like what, what would a deep website look like? Not even one on the dark web where you have to go to onion, just your standard.com or maybe it doesn't even have a domain. Maybe it's just an IP address that you type into your, um, your browser. If you can think, if you've ever built a website for anybody, if you ever, um, you know, made one, a WordPress thing or, you just had a, an HTML page up on a server that you put out to the internet for five seconds that just said, hello world. And then you turned off that program, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, you know, that, 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 that thing, when you put it out on the internet, right. Which essentially what that is, is, uh, without getting too technical, cause I don't want to bore everyone to death with it, but a website is a, is a program that runs on a computer or a server. And it says to the router, it says my address and the way that I like to be connected to is through a certain port number, right? You have a, every device on your network has, has several different ports. Um, some of them might be opened. All of them might be closed. Um, but, you know, the, the, the port that we use for basic HTTP, which is the kind of, you know, internet web browser stuff, is 80, right? So we can say that program says to the router, Hey, I have my port 80 open and I'm, I'm willing to talk to computers that want to talk to me via port 80 because I have a website to display. And so that router, we can tell that router, okay, router, um, open up port 80 to the internet. And if, if anyone wants to connect to port 80, direct them to this computer that's running the website. And so now, you know, somebody from miles away can, can, can type in the IP address, my, my public IP address. Uh, into their into their web browser, and it's going to load up the website that I'm running on my computer. Now, that's not a public website. You can't Google my IP address and find out it's a website. It could be a web page that says, I love Breaking Benjamin, which I do. 
It could be a web page that says anything. It could be a web page that's a list of names of people that I find to be my best friends. All you do is type in my IP address, and there it is. Now imagine that times a kajillion. Imagine every fan club, every kid who just learned how to do Hello World, every kid who, you know, decided they're going to make a silly, goofy website. All those websites that people make and abandon and forget about, they're up there if they're still running, of course, Mm -hmm. but they're out there, you know, all those different things. There are even things like that that shouldn't be out there. There are people who accidentally port forward, which is, again, where I said where we tell the router, you know, if you want to contact us, contact us through this port, you put that port out on the Internet. There are people who buy printers and for whatever reason port forward their printer. And now if you were to type in their public IP address, you can access their printer. You anywhere in the world. That's not good. You accidentally (laughs) told your friend to go to 40 West Main Street uh, in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. But but they're, they're told that they need to go to 40 West Main Street in Hartford, England. And uh, <laughs> have access to their printer. That's what, that's how that works. Yeah, it, it it there's the internet is just so freaking big, and I don't think people really understand that. And I will say this one last analogy to talk about how big the internet is. It's speculated that the entire makeup of the internet, right? The internet isn't one place. As I said, it's a conglomeration of computers speaking to one another oh yeah it's estimated yeah that i, I right. all the estimations i said approximately four percent six percent ninety percent that could that could have changed uh right off the bat it could be 99 percent, and then one percent for the world wide web that we know it it, right. it changes the idea here though is that the internet isn't like one central thing and it's all these computers talking but they're they're saying that if you were to take all the electrons that make up the um, data that are that's stored and saved in a hard drive, right? So all your ones and zeros they're 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 represented by the presence or lack thereof of electrons in a computer. If you were to take all those electrons and compile them into one thing the molecular weight of that object would weigh about the same as a strawberry. Wow. Now to you, that might not sound very big, but if you understand how light one single electron is, it's incredibly light. You can't feel it. But all those electrons combined, the, the entire molecular weight of that object would be as much as a strawberry. That is incredible. That's insane. That's a lot of freaking data. I can't look at data the same right now. Whenever I think of big data, I think of big strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> That's like though the the people who ask. There was a, a Yahoo answer or Yahoo answers um thing where it was like, "Does my hard drive get heavier the more I download stuff?" <laughs> and everyone was roasting him, but but truthfully, it, it is. does uh, on a molecular level. Heavier. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're never gonna feel that difference. Uh, unless, of course, they make something big enough where maybe you could. I don't know. You know, let, let's say the Internet's 10 petabytes big 
if you were to have a 10 petabyte hard drive and fill it all with stuff, maybe it weighs different. I don't know. How big is a pet, pet, uh, whatever you said. So, uh, let's start all the way at the beginning. There is, there was a flash of light. (laughs) No, not that, not that, not that far. There is a bit. A bit is just one or zero, right? Is something on or is something off? Then there is a byte, which consists of eight bits. Then you have yourself a kilobyte, which is roughly a thousand bytes. Then a megabyte, which is roughly a thousand kilobytes. Then a gigabyte, which is roughly, and by roughly, I mean, I think it's 1024. Yeah. uh, yeah. Roughly a thousand megabytes. Then you have a terabyte, roughly a thousand gigabytes. Then you have a petabyte, roughly 10 or a thousand terabytes. So a petabyte's pretty freaking huge. That's, uh, that would be, I think, 10,000 terabytes, which I think the largest, I can't even, I I can't even keep up with technology anymore. (laughs) I don't know how big the biggest, you know, standard hard disk or SSD you could get as a, just off the market is. I'm going to, I'm going to say 10 terabytes. So imagine that times a thousand. So a thousand 10 terabyte hard drives is, is, you know, 10 petabytes. That's, that's, that's insane. Mm -hmm. That's enormous. Yeah. There's a lot of data crawling through, crawling through the, the, the line. I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't think of, you already snuffed out all the, all the uh, analogy flames in this room. So I'm all out. (laughs) There's no more analogy. There's no more analogy. There's no more data. (laughs) There's the data's gone dry. Um, So uh, we've never, not a lot of people have heard about, the dark web, or maybe they've heard uh, names of name of the dark web, or uh, maybe they'll know of the services, but they don't know such the impact of these services. There comes a time when 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 people get caught on the dark web, uh, the cyber world mixes with the real world, and these people are brought to light. There are there are some famous uh, crimes that have been committed on the dark web that. Um, uh, you mean you probably know these ones, Christian? Uh, and uh, some of them have been pretty famous cases. One in particular, there's one I'll start with. It is the least grossest of them. Um, there you go. That's a it, good idea. Yeah, but it is terrible. Uh, it was a it was a site, a dark website called the Silk Road. Uh, the Silk Road was an illicit drug uh, online marketplace. People could just purchase drugs from. And they were the FBI. I believe the FBI was was investigating this. They tend to investigate uh, these cases with the the dark web. Uh, they found uh, they found a man Ross Ross Ulbrick, I, b- I believe his name is uh, arrested. Yep. They, they they found him. They traced him and they arrested him. And he's he's spending uh, he's spending a long time in prison. Uh, the 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 Silk Road was the first instance where people realized that they could get caught on the dark web in in mass amounts like they they could probably they'll, they'll probably know who's who's distributing and who's uh buying on the silk road Every, uh, usually people there's a there's a vacuum to be filled whenever big power leaves its place but something as collective and huge as as the silk road was it was like the place for drugs uh was gone 
and now everything else is scattered to smaller to smaller sites, but nothing as big as that. And they brought uh, that they brought that that guy down. Yeah, there were several reboots. I think there was uh, Silk Road two and three, but they were never successful. I think two was uh, shut down by Interpol, and three I think they said in twenty seventeen shut down because of lack of, of funding. Okay, probably so. probably because the first two had been shut down. Yeah. The <laughs> um, idea behind that too, you know, having a marketplace, like how you said, it links the, the internet uh, to the real world. Cause now you have a real address, a physical address to send something to. And that's a physical good, whether it be a weapon or a drug. Yeah. And so the idea of managing, well, how are we going to ship something discreetly to somebody that is illegal, that they purchased illegally and anonymously? Um, that, that whole business is very, as you can imagine, sketchy. Mm-hmm. And if, if you ever get a chance, there are some really good podcasts that take a, a look into that. One of my favorite is the, um, oh, I, I almost forgot it. Hold on. The Darknet Diaries. That sounds, that sounds explicit and also uh, enthralling. Yes. Darknet Diaries. Oh my gosh. It is an incredible podcast. It, it is so well done. Um, and they go into a lot of really cool internet stories. About Not better than ours like though, that. right? No, no. We're the best. <laughs> um, but yeah, they go into like a lot about the Silk Road. Um, very good listen. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, we'll, we'll throw it in the lick dump, uh, lick dump, the link dump. dump. Um, but yeah, you know, you're you're talking about some stuff that's very highly illegal and could, you know, once you're talking about physical, it's kind of a little bit easier to trace you. Um, but crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what some people have done is instead of having instead of having these orders shipped to their houses, they have appeal boxes set up uh, where they can get sent to a PO box. I think you told me this before, and then they can get it sent from that PO box to another PO box. And then to another one, and then where they'll collect it. So to add even more, to add an even more complicated trail uh, onto that item to make it more difficult to find. Yeah, I've where, also seen people using uh, college dorm address. Oh yeah, addresses. I'm sure they'll they'll get information off of somebody, and they'll use that. So that way, if they ever if it ever does get confiscated or anything like that, it's tied to some random person who's attending college, not you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you pay that person and say, listen, I, I need to get this package. It's for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, crazy stuff. Crazy. Another another crime, which is we're, – now we're getting to, into gross, terrible stuff, is uh, a site which was one of the – probably the biggest crime on the dark web is pornography distribution. And uh, – the big, one of the biggest places in the world uh, for distributors of child pornography was uh, were places on the dark web. And one site in particular was called it was called Playpen, and it no longer exists. It's been it's been snuffed. It's been eradicated from the world. Thank God. Um, the inter- interestingly enough, the person who created the site. Got thirty years in prison, didn't get lifetime. Thirty years, but I was also thinking that maybe he created the site. He didn't. Who knows if he distributed the stuff? But maybe, maybe he just created the site. But still, being linked to something like that would just get rid of thirty years right off the bat. Uh, ever since then, 
uh, ever since they uh, deleted Playpen and they 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 canceled the website. I think in 2017, 2015 to 2017. Uh, since it's been shut down, they have arrested hundreds and hundreds of people purchasing uh, child pornography, and they have rescued uh, a few hundred uh, kids who were involved in in trafficking. They've they've worked on breaking down uh, through through playpen they'd worked on breaking down and r- rescuing the the people involved in this and bringing to justice those who were purchasing who were purchasing these and yeah. i didn't i didn't know that they arrested they arrested nearly a thousand people who who were purchasing products and uh a lot of them were in england uh interestingly enough but that's something i, I had never heard of before in regards to the, the child pornography on on the dark web. Yeah. I think the whole thing about that too is I hate talking about this stuff sometimes because I hate giving people ideas. Um, <clears throat> but I, I do think it's also good that we talked about the fact that people are getting arrested. Like this is not a profitable business. This is not a business that's worth it. Crime never pays. Yeah. And everyone should know that. Yeah, exactly. I, I, but, I was worried um, about that too. We got crushed. The website's gone. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, and that's the thing. It, that you show somebody like this, like that stuff, unfortunately, and places not just the deep web anywhere, it's a commodity. Um, um, pornography in general, but of, of course, that particular caliber, if you can imagine, it's illegal. And if you're somebody who's attracted to that, uh, you find it very difficult to get your hands on that kind of stuff. So you go to extreme measures. And then think about it on the seller's end, the person who's you know filming this stuff or distributing it, they know you're desperate and, and they're desperate to make money. You want, you know, not you, I'm saying the person who is a watcher wants to watch and the person Mm -hmm. who's a seller wants money. And unfortunately, it's a commodity that's that's doing incredibly well. Um, Now, of course, as I said, there are and as Dave said, there are websites being shut down daily. Um, There are lawyers and teams dedicated um, to taking down child pornography because child pornography doesn't just exist on the deep web. Um, There was a case, uh, I think, a couple of years ago. Uh, it was a footage of a 15-year-old girl, and at the time, no one really knew, but she was um, under the influence, and in the video was being, um, you can really tell from, from what they were saying there, um, she was being assaulted, uh, and the video uh, was on uh, the very popular clear web, which is what we call our average web, you know, whatever, you just www.whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on the very popular pornography site, Pornhub, for quite some time. It even got so bad to the point where people started to figure out who she was and her full legal name was one of the trending searches on Pornhub for about five days. Um, And again, she was 15 years old under the influence and being assaulted. Pornography, child pornography is distributed everywhere. It's not just distributed on the deep web. It's distributed on these regular websites and the same way that the dark web uses random letters and numbers and, and things like that to make up their websites these these free porn websites where you can just make an account and start uploading stuff these guys are doing the same thing there they're taking footage that's clearly illegal um clearly with you know, underage people they're giving these videos random names and random numbers and they're uploading it and people are are finding the stuff because they know the the techniques they know the tactics that people are using these perverts are very very thoughtful you know they have code words they have they have a lot they have methods of getting the stuff because again 
it's so hard to find because it is illegal and heavily cracked down on. Yeah. But uh, but I will say, I will say it over and over again. There are teams of lawyers and investigators and journalists dedicated to catching these videos, dedicated to catching the stuff. So if you think you can do this, you can't. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only thing I've, I've the only thing I've, I've mentioned in in my notes is stuff that <laughs> big crimes that have been uh, squashed and that are uh, that aren't in play anymore and are gone. And the people who have been involved uh, are are doing their time and and have faced justice. Right. Yeah. And that's why I say too, the dark web just really isn't the wild west anymore Mm -hmm. and take it for what you want. Sometimes I think that's a good thing. And sometimes I think it's a bad thing because I think the same way that the FBI is able to catch people doing illegal things. I also think that the Chinese government is able to catch people who are trying to do good things. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the more governments can interfere with that stuff, you know, you can kind of tell that good and bad things are going to come out of that. And unfortunately, um, that's just the truth. I, I, I mean, in defense, though, I, I haven't even heard of anything like that happening. Uh, so looks like we're, we're in the good for the most part. You know, the, the government invent, intervention in the deep web has been mostly beneficial because it's, again, restricting those criminal activities from happening. But mm-hmm. uh, there is there's actually an interesting story about about uh, this whole thing with the with the pornography site is. Um, actually, I will explain it later because I want to go into uh, police uh, strategies for the for taking down these sites. I'll get into that a little bit later. But right. this last one in particular, this this crime was um, committed by uh, a a snuff film director whose name was Peter Scully. Do you know him? Of course. Yeah, uh, I he, was. Re- I have been like not wanting to talk about this at all, but yeah, he, I, I I won't say that name in particular, the name of that film in that particular. Video, yeah. Uh, it had, it had involved uh, people who, who were young, who um, sadly one of, one of them had, had, uh, had died, but a lot of, a lot of the kids there had been, had been rescued. They, people who were involved in this, you know, they, they rescued the kids and then, had gotten caught themselves because they were involved in this, but uh, these kids are safe, and I assume their their identities are hidden as well. Because if people were able to find them through there, I'm sure they can find them through stuff on the web. So I'm glad that they're hidden. Um, yeah. Peter Scully. That's why I don't even was, want to say the name just because yeah, exactly. I don't want people to look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Scully. He he had a company that made. Uh, these these snuff films and uh, snuff films, if you don't know, are just like bad and uh, like like you're you're hurting people, you're abusing people, uh, terrible videos. And he, Peter Scully, now faces the death penalty. He was hiding in the Philippines, I believe, um, when people were when the FBI was getting close to figuring out who he was, and uh, he is now being held. I think it's in the. Philippines, I'm not sure, but he is he he is facing the death penalty, and just say what you will about the death penalty. A person like that needs to be taken away from society, whether it be if you believe in imprisonment, have them be imprisoned away for a long time so they can't do anything like this. Like it's terrible. Um, yeah, there are various strategies that the that the police have employed to catch people like this 
um, like this, like we talked about before, uh, online online interactions versus real world interactions. Converting the two and getting someone who you're, who's purchasing something online to meet someone in public or to 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 sell them or purchase something uh, to someone in a physical interaction in person. Uh, this these are way this is a way that uh, police have caught people who have been trying to distribute or purchase uh, drugs or or guns or anything on the black market there by converting it in from an online interaction into real world. So there, there's no anonymity there, and they can they can get caught right then and there. Uh, another one which was used to bring down that child pornography site that I mentioned earlier, Playpen, uh, the FBI. Well, it has a tactic of theirs where they flood sites with malware. They flood specific dark websites with malware that will, uh, if activated, reveal the someone's IP address who's on that site. And so with your IP address hidden, your address is revealed and they know where you're using your browser on and so they can find you and that's how they had cracked down on hundreds of people who were using that pornography site uh what they use is a what their malware sending technique is called the network investigative technique that has has actually gotten the fbi in in uh in trouble a few times where the some defense lawyers for uh defendants they had suggested that if you if the police revealed their technique for taking down these sites then it would be justification for these people to go away so they actually haven't been able to nail a few people down because of the of the lawyers preventing that through um the government keeping the their methods uh hidden but they continue to keep them hidden because they want to use it for future instances which they have used them for tens and hundreds of cases those are a few yeah. uh, the the police uh, interactions that they have done. There have been a couple uh, really informative and interesting things that have happened in the past couple of years, going as far back as I think like 2015. Um, leaks and things like that explaining how the NSA and FBI use certain network tools to accomplish things. Um, the thing about malware, right, is it's not always bad guys using it. Sometimes it's good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have in malware this beautiful thing called a zero day. And a zero day means uh, essentially you have a, a, an, ex- an exploit or piece of malware that um, utilizes a vulnerability that the manufacturer or vendor of this service has no idea is a thing, right? So if I were to somehow figure out a way to backdoor into someone's uh, Facebook account and Facebook never saw it coming. They didn't know it was a problem at all, right? That's a zero day and zero days sell for a lot of money on these black markets that, you know, they don't just sell guns and and drugs. They sell malware and things like that. Um, And in the world of zero days, you find the FBI, the NSA, Russia, China, hackers, terrorists, you find them all bidding for these things and all looking for these things because they're trying to gather information on how to use these things if need be. 
Um, if you remember that whole debate between that, you know, huge drug dealer and um, it was the, I think it was the FBI and Apple. Yes. Right. Yep. Apple had said, no, we're not going to decrypt his iPhone. And FBI said, yes, you are. You're going to do it now. Um, let me tell you this. If you think the FBI didn't crack it, <laughs> you're a fool. Uh, the FBI might not have cracked his phone, but they've cracked multiple since. I, I guarantee you they yeah. have methods of doing that because they're not going to be told no by a company. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be told no by anybody. They're the FBI, and they've—they've—I guarantee you—they figured it out. Plus, there are plenty of different um, security researchers and different people like that who have experienced um, different ways of breaking it into breaking into an iPhone and essentially compromising it. Um, so, if 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 random people that are not FBI have figured it out, um, no knock on them. But, you know, if, if, if just one person who's a solo act can figure it out, I'm fairly certain the FBI with all the federal government's resources and manpower can figure something out. So, you know, th- this this kind of is to, is to let you know that in the world of computers, in the world of deep web, in the world of malware and things like that, um, a lot of the weapons are in the hands of the good guys. And if you're a skeptic of the good guys, as I'm sure many of you guys are, Sometimes that's not necessarily great news, mm-hmm. um, but there. But I would say we're not in a situation where we should be terrified because, you know, oh, the federal government is turning on us or anything. It's not like that. They they have spied on us, right? The government does spy on us from time to time. That's that's been known. Um, but we talked about VPNs. We talked about proxies. You know, it's it's not just for people who are trying to protect themselves from foreign governments. It's also from people who are trying to protect themselves from their government, whether yeah. that be the United States government or not. And, you know, it's not always people who say, well, I have nothing to hide. It, it's sometimes it's people that are just doing nothing. They're doing, you know, they say, listen, I'm a journalist. I don't want the government to know what I'm doing when I'm doing something else because I'm talking about the government. I don't want them to know my personal life. So they use VPNs and stuff like that, you know? It uh, brings me to the next point is, is the dark web illegal? Technically is the Tor browser that that's used to browse the dark web illegal uh, with regards to the United States. Uh, the using the, the onion router Tor is not illegal. It's not against the law to protect your privacy, which is what these people are, which is what a lot of these people are doing. I mean, protecting your privacy, of course, uh, for sakes, for regards to anonymity so that you can purchase drugs. The legal part of that is drugs is, 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 is committing that crime, but not for protecting your privacy. Cause if just like, uh, what everyone, what the whole talk about, about the government spying on us and everything that is, is should we, should our privacy be blown wide open just so we can get all the bad guys where we don't have any privacy at all whatsoever in our lives? Would we, we would we really be living free like America is all about freedom and eagles and uh, pumpkin pie? That's what America is about. Um, <laughs> the uh, let's see, uh, Tor is it, it's used in environments that have infringed on free speech, like I said earlier, uh, which is like you said, Christian. It's using it's the tools for the good guys. The weapons right. that the bad guys use, that the good guys can use. Um, and sometimes uh, modern problems 
may require modern solutions and fighting someone with their own weapon and beating them at it can be beneficial. Right. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's why they're, you know, they're out there buying that stuff. Federal government is, is, is buying these things, which is, which is so interesting. Uh, and I don't know if you know this, but the Tor project was started by the U.S. Navy. Really? This yes. was designed by them for the purpose of giving people anonymity. Mm-hmm. And um, it is currently, um, it is currently, it, it's a nonprofit, and it's currently run by volunteers who right. are running these, who are running the proxy servers that we talked about earlier that that mask your your address. Right. You yourself could actually start a exit node or entry node um, server uh, on your computer. Um, now, I don't know how popular it is today. Back in the day when it first started, people used to do this a lot more often. Um, but what you would do is you would create your server information. And when someone connected, they would get your little message of the day or little description. And you could put your Bitcoin address in there and people would donate to it as a thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, obviously the more Tor servers there were out there that were serving as nodes... Um, the the better internet you could get because if you're living in if you're living in Chicago and, and the closest one to you is New York, you're going to have latency. You're going to have slow internet. Yeah. Um, but if somebody starts running a, a server in Chicago, uh, it, you know, it was typical back in the days, early days of Tor, that you would tip that person as a form of of gratitude because hosting does cost money. Um, you do have to run a computer, and that that runs up your electric electricity bill. So, mm-hmm. you know, so. Um, that's not really a thing anymore, but you can run this stuff. I know I mentioned MIT because I believe MIT and a couple other major institutions uh, and colleges and stuff like that, they, they run Tor servers. They run exit nodes and entry nodes for people because they firmly believe in its, its use mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For, for staying anonymous and for being safe online. The, the dark web isn't, isn't all necessarily criminal activity. A, a chunk of it is, and that's what people will will uh reconnoiter to to come together and and commit these crimes but it's also um regards to uh anonymous services like one thing that i I read in uh the article that i that i mainly referenced uh from the cso online um they had they even mentioned that one of the sites on the dark web are just is just a community of people who play chess together and they just wanted to remain anonymous and they play chess anonymously on the dark web and that's it. Uh, it's, it's, it's not all, all crimes. Like right. you and I had gone in there before and there was a service where people could post something anonymously, like a secret they wanted to get off their chest. Like, um, I mean, a, a majority of the stuff was like people just wanting to be, uh, outlandish and just saying stupid things uh, because people were interested in in the dark web, like a, a, a lot of kids or something. But uh, some people like to like to post their secrets out there and uh, just get something off their chest. Or do you do you have another example of um, some stuff that we checked out a couple of years ago when we went on the dark web? Yeah, so I do remember finding a confessionals site. Um, they had a, a clear website and a deep website. Um, or darknet or tor whatever let's mm-hmm. say i'm just going to say onion site when i when i refer to clear web again that's just www.whatever.com the worldwide uh, web. and onion is just that dot onion that tor stuff so um 
there was that. There were a couple ones like the Hidden Wiki. Uh, there's stuff like um, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who believe in and the and the First Amendment on that one are on on the deep web um, for things that are like controversial books that are no longer able to publish that are legal mm-hmm. to buy. Um, things like the Anarchist Cookbook, the Hitman Book, um, a technical guide to something something something. Um, that actually was read and used in a murder. Um, but it's a very interesting podcast too. If you want to, if you want to listen to that hitman, um, there are, you know, people who believe that these books as controversial as they are, as they teach you how to make bombs and Molotov cocktails and things like that, they believe these are pieces of information that should be preserved and left uncensored. So they do have websites that host that kind of content. Again, don't want to give anybody any ideas. Um, if you think you're going to be the only person to read that book and make a bomb and try to use it, uh, you're not. And the FBI is going to uh, figure you out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if you do try to use these tactics that you read in a book, uh, it's not going to be long until police figure out the exact tactics you made and can figure out that, oh, he read this book and can figure you out. You know, so again, we're not telling you these things. You can go and do them. We're telling you because these are the things that you can expect to find on the dark net that are out there. But again, not all of it's bad. A lot of it is to, you know, um, I, I know of, of foundations that try to translate the Bible into many different languages, languages that have never even had a single Bible transcribed into ever. Uh, and for a lot of those people reading or owning a Bible uh, is a uh, act or is a crime punishable by uh, torture, punishable by death. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they do is they give these people a website that they can go to through the Tor browser. So you don't own a physical Bible, but you do go to this website and you can read it in your language. Uh, and when you're done, you just click X and you're done. You're out. Yeah. Like the Tor browser doesn't save your history. Nothing like that. You're safe to go. All about privacy. Yes, yes, yes. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, that's all the information I had about the dark web. Interesting. I uh, wanted to do a podcast about it for a while. Uh, it was just something very interesting to talk about. And uh, it's something that not a lot of people understand. And it's it's definitely full of full of weird happenings in an ever-changing technological world. Yeah. Like I said, it really makes you think, was the internet... A mistake. No, <laughs> it makes you think about just the world that we live in with all this technology, um, the internet, you know, just as it is. Um, it's so interesting that, you know, to think about like, like even like GeoCities, um, that was something that was before our time, uh, Dave and I's time. Um, but GeoCities was a, in just a platform where you could make your own website and you could you know, customize the HTML so it could display like, you know, crazy different animations and, uh, you know, kind of like how MySpace, I think GeoCities was like the old MySpace in that regard. Cause yeah, MySpace, it wasn't a website as much as it was your personal page and Tumblr kind of took that too, where you can edit the HTML, can play music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've lost that in our inner, in our internet world today, social media, used to be honestly if you ask me a lot cooler than it is now a lot of more customization back in the day you can really you can really instead of listing your information you could display your information with your favorite shinedown song or what shoes you wanted to buy and you'd have a picture of it in your background or something like that 
no algorithms. Everything was in was in um, chronological order. Man, those were the good old days. Mm. Um, no advertisements, no selling of your personal data. Um, you you were just yourself online, and you were you know putting yourself out there. Gone are the days, unfortunately. But now it's know. all business. Yeah. And well, hey, high GDP, gross. You can't customize your homepage on the Take It Dive podcast, but pretty soon we are going to start up a forum. Uh, where people can have discussions about the podcast, different topic uh, episode topics and things like that that you want to discuss. Um, so there's a great place where you can be yourself and be original and you won't get tracked and there won't be algorithms. <laughs> I don't know if that, <laughs> if that helps you feel better about the internet or not, but there it is. I like to run my criminal enterprise from uh, the Take It Eye podcast website. Oh, you guys, you haven't caught on to my secret uh, stenography or is it stenography? It's am a, I thinking of it's one right of those graphies, let me tell you. Uh let me Google that real quick. Stenography. Biography. Autobiography. Auto stenography. It's not stenography. Oh. What a shame. It. Calligraphy. That's what it is. No. Elegant font. Um I forgot what it's called. There is a way that you can uh sneak messages into something. In weird ways, you know, like, oh, uh, every third letter is a letter of us that makes up a sentence that's a secret word. Um, and I was going to make a joke that I've been hiding a secret code in the LinkedIn. Like, like subliminal? But, uh, I have not been doing that. Uh, something different. Something, something different. different. Got it. Got there's it, a, got there's it. a specific keyword to it. I understand. But yeah, that's the deep web. That is the deep web. Oh, um, the. We talked about before, uh, what was it? The uncensored library. Mm-hmm. Now, it's different because the uncensored library isn't on the deep web, obviously. But a similar concept to the deep web is in you're, you're making a medium where people can access information that is restricted. And I think stuff like that is important. Obviously, the uncensored library is more so a force for good than the the dark web just because the dark web is exploitable to to do illegal activity. Um, But foundations and groups and countries coming together to build more things like that, where you can access restricted information, I think is a good thing. Of course, always depending on what that information is, but that's kind of the caveat of the first amendment is you don't decide what speech is free and what's not. It's all free. You just say which one you don't like to hear the most. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I get that. That's about it. I, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna bring back. I got a. I got a. I got a. Would you rather question for you? You ready? I'm ready. ready? Would you rather have your? Uh, would you rather have your freedom of speech infringed upon and be eavesdropped for a year from? Uh, would you? Would you rather have the the person who is eavesdropping on you be a flirtatious FBI agent, or would you have it be a mean FBI agent? Like flirtatious isn't it bother? It's kind of endearing at first, but it's bothering you now. And mean, he's just a mean, grumpy guy. What would you want? I I don't. That's like a. Uh, bad or worse i don't know 
Um, you know, I don't know. All, all those memes of the of the FBI agent always looking out for you, like uh, uh, <laughs> like you're typing something into Google, and then the the text comes down, and the FBI agent saying, "Like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to go there." Um, yeah, he he's gone. It's either the one who is flirting with you or is just mean. Like, I personally, I would pick the mean one because I feel like I'd get used to him. All right. I feel like I got a would you rather question for you. Yeah. Would you rather. Hmm. Would you rather live in a country where there is no freedom of speech. But. Miraculously. (laughs) There is also no riots. And the trains run on time. And there appears to be jobs whenever you need one. Or would you live in a country where there is frequent civil discourse, there's freedom of speech, protests, riots, um, picketing, and um, also at times a tough economy, uh, less jobs, and at times wars? Uh, I'd rather take the flirty FBI agent uh in in this regard <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh uh i i'd rather america over over a communist nation any day right right i i think freedom gives us choice to do a lot of things and that's where you can create some really negative feedback loops it's like um it's like a laser that's connected to a cord. You can use that laser to carve into wood, or you can use that later to carve into the cord that's powering the laser, and it kills itself. The same thing is with freedom of speech. Freedom of speech can be used to do great things, but it can also be used to propel us into a future where there is no freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. This, the same with any freedom, which I think is an interesting concept that, that is freedom, you know? There are so many different facets of it. And we I, have the freedom. I, I truly, what was that? We have the freedom to take away freedom. Yeah, exa- exactly. We have the freedom to take it away. Um, and, and that to me is, is a bit terrifying that we we just have the ability to do all that stuff. Um, so I I would still choose freedom of speech over not having that. Because at least with freedom of speech, we can decide how this is going to work. When you have no say, you can't decide how society will work. The government decides that for you. Mm-hmm. That is... And the government is not a good model for what society should look like. You know? Yeah, it's exactly. Not. That's that's one sole reason why I always hate whenever anyone in this country hates on this country. Uh, yeah. We got there, – there, there are some there are some baddies in the government who don't know what the hell they're doing or the, they're not utilizing their knowledge correctly. They're not being – completely rational and not steering this country in the correct way that it that it should be going but we also have a freedom to uh object that and we vote and right we can talk amongst ourselves about it and also we won't get stoned for i mean people are free to get stoned whatever uh if it's if it's a if it's medicinal but people can get stoned or like in other countries, if you speak against your against your leader, you can get beaten publicly. 
and in America, that would that would not settle. Like no. during during the during this pandemic, uh, uh, during the COVID nineteen pandemic, people a lot of people are looking out for each other, and people are thinking about others during a terrible time like this and people are looking out for each other and they're, they're allowed to, so to speak. Uh, I feel like this, I feel like in another country, in other countries, people might not be necessarily looking out for each other. Um, and only really thinking about, I, I lost my train of thought. Oh, well, that's You're okay. Right. I'm tired. You're all right. I, I, I think, um, a very interesting thing to think about with freedom of speech as well and and with our government is that people people i i am I'm, I'm both ways on it right i'm a i'm a skeptical american and i'm a very optimistic american at times i'm skeptical in the sense that you know when people say we have the right to vote down bad decisions we we really don't if you want to be a skeptic about it we really don't but if you want to be an optimist about it we do. We do have the ability to, to control our local government, our state government. Um, and in a way, we, we, we can control um, where society goes by, by, by how well we're unified, right? Now, here's the problem. is The reason why I'm more of a skeptic now than ever before is because this country is not unified at all. We've been very divided uh, or very divisive and, and just split uh, for quite a while now. Um, some would say Vietnam. Some would say shortly after 9-11. Some would say after Obama had taken office. I don't know when. I'll just tell you this. We're divided and we're not at all united. And I'm skeptical because when we're split like this, we can't make a decision and we can't move anything. You know, when we're split like this, we have Congress and Senate gridlocks where nothing gets approved and nothing happens because the president is too far right or too far left and Congress is too far right or too far left and this senator is too far right or too far left. It's just everyone is is picking the wrong fights, is picking the wrong battle. And you can see it now, even with this whole coronavirus epidemic, how politicized it is. We can't even get together to, to, to decide to stay home together or, or decide to, you know, what we're going to do and, and, and whether the stimulus check is a good thing or a bad thing. or All this stuff is just so crazy because we're, we're so freaking divided. But if we did really want to change the way this country works, if we want things to happen the way that they should, we should come together and work on it. You know, this country and, and its fundamentals they're experimental. They were experimental in the 1700s, and they're still experimental now. There's no country that's had this freedom for this long, like this country, mm -hmm. right? And so, just like how Europe, in a very similar sense, is going through that as well. We look at France. France was one of you know France was a uh, um, France was a kind of an ally of ours, and France and America went through their revolutions very close to one another. And have grown up together in that sense. France, of course, being a much older country than America, but you know, America and and all these new these new countries that are that are promoting things like freedom of speech and, and things like that, we're all going through a social experiment. As technology progresses, as society progresses, 
we all don't know what's going on, but we have to work together. That's that's the most important thing is that we have to work together. We do. And with with the freedoms that we are allowed and not being, you know, uh, restricted by by government or anything, certain a lot of things can bring us together. Like, I guess to finish my point, like I was saying before, with the with with the pandemic, we're allowed to come together. We're we're allowed to unify under something like this. It, it, it's a social experiment, but when it comes to humanity, we we really can be brought together by something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I I I just hope that we we realize that soon because people talk about it when they talk about you know, democracy, capitalism, whatever, you know, they say, well, the old way is broken. Do away with it, right? Do away with capitalism, do away with democracy, do away with freedom of speech, do away with freedom or right to bear arms, do away with all that because it's broken. The thing is, is that because it's all a social experiment, because it's all something that is constantly being worked on, as new generations of people come into this world are are taught what they're taught and grow up and, and run this world. We have to change things. We have to progress things. We have to enhance things. We have to update things. And so if, if democracy, if freedom of speech, if the right to bear arms is not working, is not good anymore because of lobbyists because of um, infringements on those rights because of policies that devoid or um, super enhance those rights right to the point where I can draw a swastika and 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 say hateful things in public and not be punished for that then there's a problem then we work on it we don't throw away the idea of freedom of speech because there are racist people out there mm-hmm we don't throw away the idea of the right to bear arms because people take guns and kill them and kill people with them. We don't do away with democracy because democracy has given us the ability to vote into power presidents, congressmen, and senators that were bad people. In regards we, to the the dark web, bring it back to that, we have the ability to have privacy because some bad things can happen in anonymity, but good things can happen as well. Um, right. Yeah, freedoms. Right. And and my point with that is uh, we shouldn't throw away these things because bad things happen. We should work on them. If 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 and there are, you know, going tying it back to the dark web, there are groups and communities on the dark web that are dedicated to taking child pornography off of the dark net. They're like, dude, we use it for legitimate purposes. We don't want this to get shut down and 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 turned into the normal internet because all these governments are watching for, for idiots like you, you know, who, who want to look up the, I keep saying you, so I'm accusing you of watching this stuff. <laughs> hey. I'm saying idiots like those people, right? Idiots like the people that are trying to watch that content. We don't throw away the whole thing because one thing is broken. We stay together. We educate ourselves. If you're, if you're concerned about the uses of the dark web and you say, no, this is trash. We need to get rid of it. Why? What's bothering you about the dark web? Is it the drugs? Is it the, is it the, 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 the distribution of child pornography? Well, then research what you can do right now, whether it's the dark web, whether it's democracy, freedom of speech, 
you know, capitalism versus socialism or whatever, look into that stuff and say, what do you not like about the way that things are currently now? And then say, if, if, if this was fixed, if that was fixed, if we could work on that, if we could put focus on this, then capitalism, democracy, freedom of speech, darknet would be just a little bit better. Mm. And if we can move the entire country to make something as big as the internet or as big as democracy or freedom of speech, even 1%, even 0.01% better for some people, for somebody, for everybody, for one person, then that is astonishing because we're talking about Martin Luther King level stuff. We're talking about one man with a group of people who changed an entire country. We're talking about movements that, that you know, started as a minority, but they decided everything for society because they were united, because they came together. You know, people got to realize that that's how the world works and that's how you're going to make these things happen. Not by say, sitting there and saying, you know, to hell with the deep net, to hell with the freedom of speech because uh, racist people exist. It, that's going to happen. We have to do things to, to, to keep that from happening. But I'm telling you, get rid of freedom of speech ain't the way. It's not. Agreed. All right. Well, <laughs> let me fall off my soapbox. <laughs> fall Enjoy. off like violently topple over. Just get blown over by a mighty gust of wind. I just I think that people really don't don't understand that and, and think that you we just gotta we gotta be so extremist with this kind of stuff you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's always interesting to look at the uh, to look at the bad stuff, especially the bad things about like about when we were talking about the dark web. It's definitely the most interesting stuff, but uh, I can't just focus on that. There's yeah. some good stuff to it too. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be really interesting too, maybe if we put in the link dump where you can find the Tor browser. If we do that, let me just tell you this. We're not responsible for anything stupid you do. So if you do go there and download the Tor browser and try to buy drugs or a gun or something off the internet, that's not our fault. That's totally on you. I'm just giving you that information so that way you know what the Tor browser is and you can snoop around and, of course, stay out of trouble. But, you know, you can have it as a resource and, and, and look into that stuff. Because as I said, there are perfectly legitimate uses for it. But like chess I'm club. trusting – yes, like chess club. I'm trusting that you are responsible enough to you know not do something stupid. Um, but again, we're not liable for any of that nonsense. Just want to get that right out there. For the lawyers. Yes, for the, for the legal team that's going to be listening to this entire podcast. <laughs> We'll uh we'll we'll put a, lo- a legal footnote. It's an hour and twenty six minutes, uh, hour and twenty six minutes, minutes, minutes <laughs> in, hour and twenty six minutes. Min- but yeah. All right. All righty, folks. Well, thank you so 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 much for listening to this week's episode of the Take It Eye podcast. Um, we are going to um, be back next week. Um, pardon the background noise. Um, and we're going to be back next week with another episode. Um, of course, any links and things like that are going to be found and the link up on our website, take it, I podcast.com. Um, and, uh, yeah. Any last words, Dave? Uh, uh, be happy, be healthy.
Yes, and of course, please be safe around this time of, uh, you know, the coronavirus still going on. I know a couple of states are opening up. Uh, just please, everyone, stay safe and, and, and follow your local rules and regulations around that stuff. And, and please help uh, prevent the spread by washing your hands and practicing social distancing, all that stuff. So see you guys next week. All right. Goodbye.